Since the beginning of time, God has chosen to use people to build His kingdom. And despite countless obstacles and distractions, His kingdom continues to grow. This isn't due to any one person or group of people. The advancement of the kingdom of God requires the united effort of the church. Together, we must spread the truth and love of Christ in our neighborhoods and community. Together, we must break down every barrier we encounter until we make disciples among every people group on earth. If we truly want to reach the lost, we can't expect them to come to us. Now more than ever before, we are moving out. First thing, this is another thing that uh, Fred Rogers did. And I, I just straight up, I might not make it through this whole thing with this sweater. <clears throat> that guy was a beast. I don't know how he took, how he did that. Wow. Okay. I'll go as long as I can. But here's what you got to do. You got to start where you are and move out. You start where you are and move out. This is something that Jesus modeled for us. It's something that he taught. And it was something that Fred Rogers did. And that's the reason we're using some of his imagery and quotes today. He knew that he had a special calling and gift to talk to young children. He was actually a Presbyterian minister who was ordained with a special ordination to minister to kids. But he saw this brand new thing called television. And he thought, you know what? We could reach thousands of kids if we really did this well. So this is the mentality we've got. Start where you are and move out. What we, and, and here's the bottom line. I am going to have to take this off in a second, but I, I think I'll get through just a little bit more. Here we go. Go where others are. Go where others are. Love them as they are. Go where others are and love them as they are. But then bring them to the kingdom that they were created to help build. Go where others are, love them as they are, but then bring them into the kingdom that they were created to help build. That's the heart of what we're talking about today. And Jesus himself never said that that would be easy. Mr. Rogers said, there is no normal life that is free of pain. It's the very wrestling with our problems that can be the impetus for our growth. That's one of the things I always liked about his show is he would uh, talk about stuff that was real. He didn't just try to pretend that life was all rainbows and roses and unicorns and whatever else. He, he, he told kids the way things really were and tried to prepare them to handle it. As a kid, one of the things I used to laugh at whenever I'd watch this show was how you could see him working the trolley. Got a picture of that. Uh, he'd call in the trolley and talk to it, but you could see his fingers down there. There's actually a whole episode where he actually explained how he works the trolley and they zoomed in on his hand, showed you how to do that. that was, I, I never realized so way later that this wasn't a mistake. That was part of his design. He, he wanted to help kids know there are real things and there are pretend things. We pretend on the show. We pretend the trolley talks to me, but it's not really alive. He, he was preparing them for life. There are fun things, there are pretend things, and then there's real stuff as well. Jesus used the same strategy. In fact, that's where Rogers got it, was he had a land of make-believe, if you will. Now, it was way better than all those creepy puppets Mr. Rogers had. Jesus had parable, parables. They were stories that he made up, stories that he just created because he knew that that would be a memorable way for us to really grasp some things that we could never grasp if he just told us facts. Just recently, we've been walking through, as a church, we've been walking through several of these stories. The bridesmaids and the servants and the sheep and the goats in Matthew 25. 
And if you think of some of the most fundamental truths that we know that all of us really can remember and hold on to as Christians, <clears throat> they're usually tied in with some of these stories Jesus told about farmers sowing seeds or planting fields, or ladies baking bread and working yeast all the way through it. Almost all of these images had to do with growth and had to do with unity and had to do with a lot of these things that Jesus wanted us to know. But he knew that we would connect better with them with stories. So he said he would say things like, verily, verily, or truly, truly, I tell you the truth. And he'd state these truths, and then he'd say, let me tell you a story. That's exactly where Mr. Rogers got it. But here's, here are the things that make a neighborhood look like God wants his neighborhood to look like. We're going to walk through this together, and I, I'm sorry, I have to take this off. This is, this, is, this is fun. This was actually Billy's idea, and I, I think it was fun. Good, good job, Billy. That's a, that's a good idea, but holy cow. God bless Mr. Rogers, but goodness sake. <laughs> you got to love your neighbors as you love yourself. This means that you love them as they are, but you also have hope and you also try to help them get where they're going to be. And again, this is straight from Jesus himself. There's a wonderful passage in 1 John chapter 2. Uh, it's all about God's love. He says, love one another. And then he says this, Jesus lived the truth of this commandment and you are also living it. Anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. But anyone who hates a fellow believer is still living and walking in the darkness. Two chapters later, the same apostle John is writing. And again, whenever you see these dot, dot, dots, I'm skimming those not because they're not important, just because we have so much time. My dream is always you go back and read these. Uh, today, every passage I'm reading from, I'm using the new living translation, but I hope you go back and read it in any translation or even language that means the most to you. I want this to connect with your hearts. But here's some selections from this amazing passage. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. When he's talking about there, if you remember in 1 John 4, he's talking about how God loved us as we were. He met us where we were. He didn't just love us from a distance. He came where we were and loved us as we were there. That's where it started. But notice what happens next. As we live in God, our love grows more perfect so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment but we can face him with confidence because we live like jesus here in the world mr rogers said i don't think anyone can grow unless he's loved exactly as he is now appreciated for what he is rather than for what he will be i think that's true but like so many of the truths we've been exploring together, this is not an either-or thing. This is a both-and. And this is something that our culture really needs to relearn again really soon before it's too late. To love someone as they are, to love someone where they are, to love someone and not require them to make any changes the day you choose to love them. That is so powerful. That is so real. That is so good. That is so healthy. That's where God's love starts. But real love doesn't leave the person you love there. Real love sees potential in the person that you love. Real love sees you taking them with you as you continue to grow. Real love empowers the person to become something better than they are right now. 
Mr. Rogers saw this as well. Here's another thing he said, knowing that we can be loved exactly as we are gives us all the best opportunity for growing into the healthiest of people. Every single episode of Mr. Rogers, every single one, he would say something to the effect of, you made this day special because you are special. There's no one else in the world exactly like you. I love you just the way you are. But he'd spend the entire episode, every single episode, helping you become a better you. Helping you grow up. Helping you learn how to handle even hard things like death and trying to build a better community. He wrote over 300 songs and performed them over the course of these 38 seasons that he created. And those songs all taught kids how to handle things like anger. One of the ones I barely mentioned last week, it starts out like this. What do you do with the mad that you feel when you feel so mad you could bite? I, I, I've felt that way before. I think you have too. He goes on, when the whole wide world seems oh so wrong and nothing you do seems very right. The song goes on, it starts where we feel. This is what we feel like. This is what it feels like inside of me. I, I, I could bite somebody, I could hit somebody. This is what it feels like. But by the time it gets to the chorus, the part the kids are really supposed to remember, it says, I can stop when I want to. I can stop when I wish. I can stop, stop, stop anytime. And what a great feeling to know that I can, and to know that this feeling is really mine. It's teaching them self-control. That's real love. And at the end of that song, the last line says, for a girl can be someday a woman, and a boy can be someday a man. Unconditional love in the moment, unconditional love where you are, how you are right this minute, but hope and help to grow up, and to become even better. This is the kind of love that Jesus has for us. This is the kind of love that everybody in our neighborhood has to model. Unconditional love right now in the moment, but hope and hope that, hey, together, we can get better than we can even imagine right now. That's why he said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations go wherever they are learn to speak their language learn their culture learn who they are meet them where they are but teach them to follow me we all need to love others as we as they are and we all need to be loved as we are but we also need this hope we need this hope that there's more Last week I used some of that song, uh, if that's moving up, then I'm moving out. Billy Joel was talking about money, but today I'm going to apply that to this. If all love is, is just accepting everybody as they are, period. If your love for me is just accepting me, period, as I am today, and just, that's it. That's, that's, that's all you know and all you mean by love. I'm moving out. Are you with me? That's not enough. That's not enough love. We've got to love each other enough to accept each other right now and help us take the next steps as we go. Second big thing that has to happen in a neighborhood the way God designs neighborhoods is we've got to forgive like we have been forgiven. Would you say this out loud with me? Forgive like you have been forgiven. One more time. Forgive like you have been forgiven. 
Once again, it's not easy, and Mr. Rogers never lied to people. Listen to what he said here. Forgiveness is a strange thing. It can sometimes be easier to forgive our enemies than our friends. It can be hardest of all to forgive people we love. Ever experienced this? It's truth. But it has to happen, y'all. In a neighborhood, and I'm talking about a neighborhood, I'm talking about your family, I'm talking about your marriage, I'm talking about a close friendship, I'm talking about your small group or your Sunday school class at church, I'm talking about any relationship you've got, any relationship you've got. If it's going to be healthy, there has to be forgiveness. In Proverbs, the writer says, love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. Close friends. In Proverbs 18, 19, it says, An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. You've probably experienced this. If you're a human being, you know some other human beings. You've got some friends. You've got some family. You've got some people you used to be close to that something happened, and instead of it getting worked out, Instead of everybody on the entire team, everybody in that entire situation choosing to forgive like they had been forgiven, somebody, maybe everybody in the whole situation chose to do something different than that. And now, instead of unity, instead of a neighborhood, there's a fortified city. There's a gate that's locked with bars. But God showed us something different. Romans 5, 1 through 11, again, just a snippet of that wonderful passage. Please go back and read the whole thing later. But it says, God showed us his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And because he did that, we have the potential to become his friends. He reached out to us. He loved us as we were, where we were, and that's why we were able to be drawn out of that. He went to us where we were, as we were, but with the relentless hope and the sacrificial love, willing to die and rise again and all the other things only he could do, willing to do whatever it took so that instead of being enemies, we could be friends. Instead of being strangers, we could be family. Instead of being scattered around throughout the nations, we could live in a neighborhood with him. Something that's at least a picture, an image, a hint of what heaven will someday look like. Jesus taught about forgiveness all the time. We spent most of the summer walking through the Lord's Prayer and how he taught us not just to recite a prayer, but to daily recalibrate ourselves with the Father and with everybody else who's doing that same thing. And in the middle of that prayer, if you remember, he says, uh, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. This is the only thing that right after that prayer was over, he just instantly went into teaching to make sure they didn't miss. He, He finishes the last line of the prayer and he says, for if you refuse to forgive others their sins, neither will your heavenly father forgive you your sins. He made that just as clear as he's ever made anything ever. Forgiveness has to happen. He also, so much of what Jesus taught, so many of the wonderful make-believe stories that he told had to do with, you know, the lost sheep. Anybody ever heard of the lost sheep? The prodigal son? All the lost stuff? I mean, some of the most foundational ones that we all know. Those are stories Jesus taught about that. 
Another one, Matthew 18, the entire passage. Everybody say Matthew 18. Say it one, time, one more time. I want you to remember this. Matthew 18. You want to know what Jesus thinks about forgiveness and restoration? Stories about it. Practical teaching about how to do it. Matthew 18. But in that amazing passage, the last story is the one of the unmerciful servant. Pretty sure you've heard this, but really quickly, here's how that goes. There's a king who has a servant who owes him unbelievable amounts of money. Just amount of money that he could never pay back. And the guy comes to him, and the king says, I'm going to sell all your stuff, and all, you and all your family as slaves to pay back this debt. And the guy begs for mercy. And the king, in a moment of mercy, says, okay, all right, I'm going to forgive your debt. And on the way home, before the guy even gets home to tell his family the good news, on the way home, somebody who owes him just a little bit of money comes up to him. And the guy yells at him, gets him thrown in prison for it. And so the king calls that guy back in, slams that whole debt right back on him again. It's no longer forgiven. That's a scary story. Jesus is telling it about how God operates with us. We have got to forgive as we have been forgiven. That is not an option for us. If we live in God's neighborhood, it is not an option for us not to forgive each other. So here's the next thing. We've got to be a good neighbor. Notice, we have to be a good neighbor. I'm not saying we have to demand that everybody else is a good neighbor to us. That's usually what we tend to do, isn't it? I, what, let me see all these rules, and then I'm going to figure out some way to make everybody around me in my neighborhood follow those rules. Because I want this to be a good neighborhood that means a lot to me and meets all my needs. So, do you see? Do you see what Jesus says here? Do you see it? Do you see it? You better do it. This is Jesus' neighborhood. You better straighten up. That's what we normally do, isn't it? But what he really starts with, again, start where you are and move out. He's saying, you be a good neighbor. You get it right. Next week, we're going to be talking, uh, as we continue to move out, as we continue to build out, I'm going to focus on another story Jesus told, the Good Samaritan. Anybody heard this one? That's a great one, too. But, but today, we're focusing on what happens in the people that aren't strangers. What happens right here? What are we inviting people into? What are we making consistent here? What are we guaranteeing that no matter how people interact with us as a family, us as a pocket of the kingdom of God, no matter how they interact with us, when they interact with us, they will see that we are kingdom people. We are following this pattern that Jesus gives us. You know who's responsible for that? You and me. I'm not responsible to make you be a good neighbor. I'm responsible to be a good neighbor. And only because one of the things God has gifted and, and asked me to do in my life at this season is to be a leader for you guys. That's the only reason that I'm supposed to be telling you how to do it so much, empowering you to do God's will. But it starts with disciples. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. I'm just going to be really just straight up honest with you like Fred Rogers used to do. 
Like he, we already read one of these quotes about this. But you know what? In my experience, people are meanest to the people that they love the most. The people that they think are going to take it and not give it back. No matter how much people are upset about the world or this issue or that issue or that group or that group, people tend to be really nasty to their parents at home when they're teenagers. They tend to be really mean to each other when they're married. They tend to be really mean to their kids or to their closest co-workers that they trust the most because, again, they think maybe they'll be able to take it. That's 100% backwards from how Jesus designed neighborhoods to work. Your kids should be growing up in an environment that models exactly how Jesus does being a good neighbor, exactly how Jesus does forgiving, exactly as Jesus does loving others as you have been loved. Your kids, your family, any of your closest friends, they should walk into your home. Even if you live alone, wherever you are, there should be something about you, something about the environment that you create wherever you go, that when people are in your presence, they sense God. When people are in your presence, they feel safe. When people are in your presence, they know that they're going to be loved as they are, no matter what, that day. But if they will trust you at all, you're going to help them become something they can't even imagine right now because you genuinely, really love them. That's the dream. And if we're going to be a neighborhood that's going to reach out effectively, we've got to make sure relentlessly every single day that we treat our best friends and our spouses and our children and our parents and our grandparents and our uncles and aunts that we don't get along with or whatever other random person in your life that you see all the time and you think for some reason you're okay, it's okay to treat them badly. It's not. This past week, um, I had to put uh, my son Ransom's dog down. And um, that pales in comparison to a lot of other terrible things that happened. But I, I, I only share it because it hit me really hard. I realized that I, I, I never really was that close to that dog. But that dog represented a whole era that's kind of, that ship had already sailed, but now it's around the corner. Are you with me on this? That dog had lived through when there used to be four boys that lived at my house. Now there's not. It's a wonderful thing. It's a blessing thing. It's how it's supposed to be. But that dog represented all of that stuff to me. And it also reminded me that life is finite. That my life is finite. That yours is. That we're running out of time. Dogs only have a really short amount of time. She got a pretty good run. She went over 12 years. That's pretty good for a dog. You and I don't even know how long we're going to get. But we have a finite amount of time and we know that. Here's what I'm begging you, brothers and sisters, more than ever before. Let's get it right. Don't wait until tomorrow. There might not be a tomorrow. Don't wait to work stuff out with those people in your family that you're not getting along with until later. Get it done. Start today. Don't wait to start being a good neighbor until next week. You don't know what you're going to have next week. Start right now. Get it done. All we have control over is today. But you can be. You can be the neighborhood Jesus dreamed of. 
Mr. Rogers said, you rarely have time for everything you want to want in this life. Let me try that again. You rarely have time for everything you want in this life. So you need to make choices. And hopefully your choices can come from a deep sense of who you are. And you know who you are? You're a child of the king. More than you're a man or a woman, more than you're an American or a citizen of any other country, more than you're part of any other group, any other way that you identify yourself, more than you're part of Morrison Hill or a first-time visitor or anywhere in between, no matter who you are, where you are, if you follow Jesus, your primary identity is a follower of Jesus. And you need to make those choices like that. You don't know how much time you've got. You need to make every choice from a deep sense of who you are as a child of the king. And we as a church, again, in these next several weeks, more than ever before, I'm not saying it's never happened. I'm not saying you guys aren't doing a great job in so many ways. I'm saying more than ever before. We don't know how much time we've got left. We don't know what's going to happen next. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But let's make sure right now that we're getting it right. Let's make sure right now that we're creating and sustaining and relentlessly pursuing a neighborhood that looks like Jesus wants neighborhoods to look like and that we're actively bringing people into it. We're going out. We're showing unconditional love wherever they are, but we're bringing them into this neighborhood. Today, there's three possible choices. Maybe you can do all three. But the Lord, I will prayer. This is what I'd like you to pray today. First one is, Lord, I will build my build our neighborhood by. Once again, there's a long list of just some of the ministries that we have here at the church that support our neighborhood. And everything we do here in one way or another is designed to also be reaching out. But there's a lot of stuff we do just for each other. A lot of stuff we do to build each other up, to encourage each other, to keep the lights on, to, to mow the grass. There's so many different things that we do. I'd love for you to join something along those lines if you're not already and if you are thank you and own it own it more than ever before but be able to pray this prayer know the answer is what i'm saying lord i'll build our neighborhood by what's your role to play in this neighborhood mr rogers you, you know who the policeman was you knew who the mailman was you knew who the artist was are you following me on this what's your role play that role know what it is don't wait don't wait someday i'll pick a role find it Use it. Use those gifts God gave you. Second thing and third thing, these are a little harder, but I need you to write a real person's name in these blanks. Lord, I will love blank like you love me. Put somebody in there that maybe it's a little bit hard. Earlier I was saying there's probably somebody in your life that you struggle to love. Remember that? That's, that's the person you write down there. Figure out what you need to do to get things right. Second, third thing, Lord, I will forgive blank like you forgive me. Once again, this needs to be a real live person. Don't put people. Don't put others. Don't put my fellow Americans. A real live person. Brothers and sisters, if you do that, you're going to be amazed at what God does next. Because that's what it looks like to live in his neighborhood. 
This morning, as always, we're going to give you a chance. We're going to sing one more song. We're going to give you a chance to respond to this invitation. And you can do this in several ways. One of the things we always provide is a team of people who pray. They're watching. If you come up here, they'll come pray with you. If you go to the back of the room, you don't want to be up here, that's okay. They'll pray with you back there. You're also welcome to make choices wherever you are and just stay where you are. But if you need to come forward and make any kind of a public decision of any kind, this is a wonderful time to do that. I hope you do that, but more than anything, somehow or another, take the first step to those three choices we just did. Lord, I'm, gonna I'm going to play the role that you gave me. I'm going to love this person. I'm going to forgive that person. Do it. Let's stand, let's sing. You just listened to part two of Moving Out, a five-part series on the Sunday Sermons podcast. Thank you for listening.